Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome into Attacking Third World Cup Edition. Thanks everyone for joining us for our live reactions, immediate analysis. We're going to do our best. I'm Sandra Erdett. I'm joined alongside Jordan Angeli. We have to talk about the United States elimination in the round of 16 in the 2023 World Cup we're here. We've been here. We woke up early. We're maybe a little groggy and maybe not feeling in the best of spirits, all things considered. But Jordan, happy to be here with you. How you doing today? Yeah, it's nice to have a buddy in this because it's so early. I know some people, I saw watch parties and at 3 a.m. where people are packing bars. So like kudos to everybody who went out somewhere and watched it with a friend. I was on my own in my apartment on my couch and it's not a great way to witness that you know you feel like you need some comfort in those moments so it's nice to at least be able to chat with you about this because it's been it's been a morning i'm with you that was like immediately right immediately just started grasping for silver linings i'm like well you know what I get to be with Jordan and it's yeah. misery loves company <laughs> sometimes. Aww. So so here we are together. Jordan, look, let's let's throw it back a little bit to um the build-up to this game, right? Mm-hmm. We um had been talking about this World Cup what feels like forever now, um, how this roster was built and constructed, uh, what it was going to look like when that final 23-player roster dropped, and then it did, and how was this team going to fare moving forward once we knew who they were going to face in the group stage and then eventually in the knockout rounds. I think everything that we've been chatting about building up to this particular game specifically was – who was going to be in that starting lineup? What were those adjustments going to be if we saw any? No Rose Lavelle. What does that mean? Are we going to see the, the forced uh, adjustment here? Is there going to be a real shakeup and wake up? So maybe let's start there at the okay. beginning of this of this morning, wherever you woke up, uh, you know, on, on, on stateside. When this roster dropped for the starting 11, what went through your mind when you saw the names? Because when these when these come out, 
Yeah. They don't, they kind of come out by number and alphabetical. They don't come out in a formation right away. Yeah. So upon first glance, you kind of start trying to connect some dots. What, what were your reactions? Yeah. I looked over it a couple of times. I like looked up and down. I was like, hmm, hmm. Um, okay, well, how is this lineup going to look? Because with Sonnet in the mix there, it really could have looked a couple of different ways. You could have put Ertz at the center of a three back and then played a three, two, four, one and, and advanced that way or a three, four, two, one. There's different ways this could have lined up. But I, as much as I had chatted coming into this game about how I wanted Vlako Ananovsky to change back line, that I wanted Alana Cook to go in there so Ertz could be in the midfield. I think there is something to be said that he kept the back line the same the whole time. He felt confident with that back line every single game, same back five, including Alyssa Nair and the change. So then I was like, all right, maybe Emily Sonnet's in the midfield. And we got to finally see Andy Sullivan with a little bit of help with Emily Sonnet next to her. And I think we have to start off, Sandra, by saying kudos to Laura Harvey, the head coach of OL Reign, who has been playing Emily Sonnet at the six all season long. And I think it might have I'm not saying she hadn't played under Vlatko at the six at times, but I don't think he would be confident to put her in that spot had she not not played a number of games in the six position for Rain this year in that exact same formation. I'm with you. I think that was part of it. I, I think knowing those of us who go here, right, who watch NWSL, constantly have an eye on it week in, week out, even during the World Cup, we kind of knew this. We knew that that was a possibility. We knew that when they named this 23-player roster, that players who maybe got the edge, who got the call that they were going to represent their country, it came into play the versatility of certain positions on the mm -hmm. pitch. And Emily Sonnet, with the experience of a previous World Cup, combined with some of that versatility of playing on different lines on the pitch, came into play. And so she got named to this 23-player roster. Look, Black, Black Ondanowski and uh, Laura Harvey are, are two coaches who go way back together. They have a friendship. They've been vocal about it. It's on record. Uh, it, it shouldn't be su surprising at this point, maybe for, for casuals who aren't familiar with that, um, that, that maybe there was some conversation way back when, yeah. you know, it, they made it, O.L. Rain made a trade for Emily Sonnet. So once you go to a new team, where are you going to fit this player? How are they going to look in your system and how can that maybe that benefit, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps both club and national team? And I think we saw that kind of come to life today with this adjustment. But when a lineup like that drops because of knowing that versatility, I'm with you. I, I kind of like, had some of the similar feeling. I was like, where is Sonic yeah. going to play? Like, are you mm -hmm. going to are you going to shake up and break up what has been really a bright spot for this team in Gurma and Ertz and try to swap like where we're going to see Ertz get pushed higher alongside right. Sullivan. Um, but uh, they ended up keeping that intact, which I, I appreciated along, along the way. But I think if you had to go through and run down and reread all of the takes, all of the pieces, all of the, the lineup predictions or wish list and projections. I mean, I know we wrote a few of them on CBS Sports, myself included. Yeah. Nobody had Emily Sonnet as the standout, make it or break it type yeah. of performance player for them. And so maybe we get into what we saw in the first 15 and first half here for this team in that kind of dual uh, midfield kind of pivot with Sonnet and Sullivan, right off the bat, I think we saw immediately how things were going to look a little and feel a little different for this team. Yeah, we're so close to the end of the game, so I, I don't have final stats on how many touches some of these players have in comparison to how much they had in previous games. But I can tell you from the eye touch test because of the positioning of Sonnet and Sullivan. Andy Sullivan touched the ball in this game way more than she did in any other game because she was able to provide an outlet in so many circumstances and not just an outlet. I thought that the U.S.'s setup also allowed them to get themselves higher up on the field and their regain structure was a lot better. They put Sweden under pressure right away I think it was a little bit back and forth there through the first 15 minutes, but you could start to sense that the U.S. were 
figuring out how to one, get out of the back. And we'll probably talk about how they, they softened the back line um, through the play of Gurma in a second, but also through that pressing their lines and saying, all right, with Sullivan, Sonnet and Haran in the middle, we're going to win this 50, 50 battle. We're going to win first and second balls. And I thought that their mindset, their mentality, the tempo at which they played that all set the stage to how they were going to play this game. And Sandra, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I could tell two minutes into this game, this is going to be a completely different U.S. team. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. I think just all of it, from their walkout to their body language onto the pitch around the ball, first mm-hmm. whistle, um, it, it was it was immediate. I, I loved – I, I'm, I'm like my heart is breaking as we keep talking about I these know, players. I'm like, that good. I, I, I'm gonna shout out Emily Sonnet, or excuse me, not, uh, Emily Fox, the the dual Emilys, Emily yeah. Fox as well. In, in in a game like this, I mean, there are certain players that I think we're gonna have to talk about um, a, a little bit more throughout this because there are players who got all of these consecutive starts for this team in this tournament. Emily Fox being one of those players. I, I like that she was still as active as she had been in, in prior games, whether it was, you know, disrupting things or, or getting more inverted when she needed to be. Um, and I thought Crystal Dunn had a great start as well, too, in, in, in this match. But yeah. uh, I think just sort of getting a, a player in, in Rodman involved pretty early on as well, I thought was pretty good. So, and that was that was big, and that was big to the setup of how the U.S. were. Because if mm-hmm. you think about the previous games, the wingers were really high. They're they're not wide, and I still think there are times that they're not wide enough. These wingers, they like to they all like to come centrally, which I understand, but they were a little bit deeper in this setup in this four two three one, and it really was a four two three one. Sometimes you can see a four two three one with the wingers high on the back line, but the the pulling off the back line for both Rodman and Smith helped them both so much because then when they received the ball in transition moments, they were on the half turn and they were one V one facing up to a defender. And I thought that was, it was perfect. It was pivotal because it allowed Rodman to one be a little bit closer to Emily Fox. So then Fox could join the attack if she wanted to, Two, it put, it put Trinity Rodman in great 1v1 positions. I, I have that she had three times in that first um, 30 minutes where she's 1v1 and gets something out of it, whether it's a good cross or it's a corner kick. She was so much more dangerous because you put her on the ground running downhill and she's going to show you how good she is in 1v1 situations. I, I kind of thought that on the right, the left side, the U.S. approached it differently um, with Dunn, uh, Sophia Smith and Alex Morgan, but it really all had to do with Gurma. And I, I think the way that they were playing out of the back in the first half, I had written down like there's four long balls going straight from Gurma all the way to Alex Morgan. And it hasn't worked once. Alex hasn't won the challenge. She hasn't won the ball. She isn't chesting it down and keeping it. We are not winning the second ball. But what was happening is this was softening up the defense. And by the seventh time, Morgan got a little flick and it was Lindsay Horan running in behind. And then one of the best chances came from that. Alex Morgan went, Naomi Gurma gets the ball, and it's Sophia Smith coming into the pocket to create. And those were the types of counter movements that we weren't seeing from the U.S. before. So I really, all in all, I thought the United States really saw what Sweden was presenting them, did what they could to soften that up or play against it, and then said, okay, well, now we've done that. We're going to play through the lines. And Overall, that first half was so fun to watch with the way that the U.S. was moving the ball from side to side. They were building. They were absolutely building. And they were building in the sense where any second now it felt like the goal is going to come. Mm -hmm. That is what it felt like. It needed to come. It felt like it needed to come. Yeah, for sure. We'll absolutely have more of the first half to break down. So make sure you all stick with us. We're going to take a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We have to break down the United States Women's National Team's elimination from the 2023 World Cup. If you're just joining us, welcome. We're chatting all things first half with this U.S. side because this is the half where it just felt like everything was cooking. Jordan, you had touched on that 30-minute mark in this half, and I think that's that's a good place to start here and maybe kind of close out this first half a little bit. But you mentioned Lindsey Horan. You mentioned Trinity Rodman. couple really good looks on goal for Rodman. Was very curious about uh, what we were going to see from this player because Things that we heard coming out of training leading into this match, maybe some question marks around what her availability was going to look like. Not that she was going to be unavailable at all, but was she going to get a full 45? Which one was it going to look like a start or off the bench? Obviously, we know now was was the start. She ends up going about 65 minutes or so in this game with some an illness, some illness uh, that she wasn't feeling too well building up to this game. So maybe just unable to, to go for, for the extended time. But absolutely hit this pitch and looked like she was ready to eat. I loved the looks on target that she got. We also have to echo and applaud the goalkeeping performance from Sweden as as well, because I mean, these are some really good looks and just did not find the back of the net, including her aunt's look as well, kind of uh, off the post there building up past that half hour mark. And it just sort of, it just sort of felt for me, Jordan, even though felt good soccer that we were looking at, the attempts that they were getting, the ball movement on and off of it, really good stuff. But there's always those feelings in knockout games like oh. this where you are feeling so good about what you're seeing, but that end product just isn't there. And that little chaos demon starts creeping mm-hmm. into the back of your mind. Was it still too early here for you at that half hour mark for that to creep in? Or was it already starting to kind of show its its, its face to you? It was a little after that for me. It was when we got more closer to halftime, I think 40th minute, I got this gut feeling like, please don't be one of those games. Just please don't be one of those games. And everybody's watching here who's played soccer before has been in one of those games where you just, you have this feeling that like, is this really gonna, is it gonna be one of the days where the ball doesn't go in the back of the net? And and I thought that the United States I listened to Lindsay Horan after the game and she had a smile on her face because she said, I am so proud of this team. We did not like the way that we played and we changed that. And, and if you look at that first 45 minutes, they looked so joyous in the way that they were attacking and they were utilizing every player to their strengths. There's been a lot of talk about Andy Sullivan and her playing on this team. And I thought you put Andy Sullivan next to another a person who can help her out. Look at how good Andy Sullivan can be. You know, it's just about setting up players to be successful and they were set up to be successful in this game the ability to change the point of attack, to isolate in the channels, in the wings, to get Lindsey Horan higher up on the field. Everything they tweaked came to fruition minus that final end product. And so when Trinity Rodman gets the shot and it goes just to the keeper, or it gets the one that gets tipped past the post and Lindsey Horan's header goes off the crossbar, you're just thinking, oh man, they are playing so well. It felt like they needed one before halftime. And when it didn't come, I, w- I was really curious to see how they would come out in the second half and how that would s- influence the way that they played in that second 45. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it kind of it crept in for me maybe right around the same time as it did for you. More more 40th minute as, yeah. as the half was, was coming closer and closer. It's, it's just not only for the play that we were watching uh, from the United States, but also what we were seeing from Sweden and really kind of what the game was, was giving us, mm-hmm. they were being allowed to play. It's an elimination game, knockout game. We didn't, yeah. now that we saw yellows flying in that first 45, not, not at all. There were a few moments where, you know, things got physical tackles were made, you know, folks going into challenges and the officiating, allowing play to happen. You saw a couple moments where maybe some players kind of taking a quick glance at the center official and saying like, 
yes, no, maybe. And then having to kind of move on uh, with play. So I was a little curious um, if that was going to be the, the energy going on. I kind of liked that though. And I, and I did too. And I was like, well, Maybe we'll we'll con- this is something that we're going to continue to see uh, mm-hmm. in, in in the second half here. Um, but uh, as we get to the very end of this 45, first 45, and then the, the stoppage time of two minutes that ended up getting blown a few seconds early, that too, right? There were all these little things that yeah. were just like, just weird enough, just weird enough for you to maybe want to nitpick at. And I know, I know for some of us, we were like, oh, okay, like sure why why not um but one of those other kind of maybe nitpicky things a little bit we're talking a lot about uh, trinity robin we're talking a lot about uh lindsey uh haran as well and, and what they provided in that first half maybe let's talk a little bit about the other parts of that attacking line alex morgan sophia smith how did you feel in their first 45 I think there was a clear like game plan to play Alex Morgan as that target player and to have, especially through the left side, Naomi Gurma try to get the ball directly, not lose it short on the left side, which is the right side for Sweden was there. They've been attacking down that right side pretty predominantly throughout this tournament. So they wanted to not lose it short, but then maybe they could get a little flick from Alex Morgan. Maybe they could create in some space in behind in uh, in front of her to then allow that second ball to be picked up. But I, I think that we didn't see the best from Alex Morgan in this tournament. And I think she would probably feel the same. I like that she got on the ball more. I thought there were moments where she helped link up the play and had good combination plays either with uh, Lindsay Horan or even sometimes Andy Sullivan making her way a little bit higher up on the field. So I, I did like, and I don't think this actually happened until the second half. So maybe I'll hold that, but there was some interchanging of the front three after a while. And Sophia Smith did come into the middle, even with Alex Morgan still on the pitch and she, she swung left, but I do think Sophia Smith was a little quiet in this game, but there were so many numbers on that side because the United States was overloading their left side and then trying to swing it and, and bring it through Haran on the opposite side and then Trinity Rodman eventually. So I do think that was part of the game plan, but um, it wasn't the strongest of performances from either one of those players. And I think as the game wore on, we started to see how many minutes they had logged and that seemed to be wearing them down a little bit. Yeah, that that was when that whistle blew for for halftime. I was I that was sort of the the concern that crept in. Maybe not the chaos demon that is like, "Oh no, if they don't score, what's going to happen?" I definitely was curious as as to the overall kind of minute management across that front line, not just with Rodman who had we had heard about, you know, within training building up to this mm-hmm. um up to this knockout round game, but all three of them, because these are, you know, with Morgan and Smith, they have played extended minutes during this, this tournament. And I think maybe people's kind of generic take on that is, well, Sophia Smith is a young prospect. These are normal turnarounds for a pro athlete at the highest level. And for Alex Morgan, maybe you're saying the opposite and you're saying like, well, you can't put that many minutes on a 30 plus year old Alex Morgan. So it's just kind of interesting to kind of like note those two things going into to halftime, because I di- it didn't feel like going into this second uh, into halftime that this team, well, the coaching staff specifically, were going to make major adjustments to shake things up because the play was so good. So yeah. we're definitely going to talk about uh, the second half here and we're going to have to talk about the fact that these substitutions uh, didn't come in right away at halftime with reason because again they were out there cooking uh, but they eventually did come but maybe not in the waves that people would have liked to have seen or maybe assume so get your thinking caps on get your hottest takes because we're going to have some of our own for you coming into the window of time right after a quick break stick with us We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Herrera alongside Jordan Angeli. We are talking about the United States going out on penalty kicks against Sweden in the 2023 World Cup. If you're just joining us, Jordan and I are going to get into the second half here of this game because we still felt at the time like that goal was coming and we had the feeling because coming out of the half, we knew we weren't going to see a shakeup. We, they were playing so well <laughs> in that first half. We knew that that initial starting 11 was going to get another shot and another. Yeah. Practice. I don't know why you would change it up. I, I at halftime, I looked at the, just the passing percentage because in the United States game against Portugal, their passing percentage for the game was 67%, 67%. They had 80% passing percentage. So the 80% of the time they were connecting their, passes in that first 45 minutes. That's how dominant they were on the ball. That's how good they were through progressing it through the lines. I just, why would you change that when things did look to be going in such a good direction for the United States? Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I, I know that um, coming out of this group stage for the United States side, there was a lot of criticism, you know, to, to Andonowski and uh, the coaching staff for the lack of those substitutions or, or rotation in general and how this game was going to be the game, the do or die game that we would maybe have to see those windows utilized a, a bit more. But we didn't actually really see that till about the 65th minute um, in this second half here. We see Rodman. Uh, come out of the game, Lynn Williams gets an opportunity to put her stamp on this uh, on this knockout round game, and she did. I think when we're talking about um, players who got put into these situations and essentially get asked to deliver, talked uh, about Emily Sonnet being one of those players for this game, getting the start, and I think for the second half, Lynn Williams uh, was one of those players as well. Um, it was agony for me, though, Jordan, watching Lynn Williams get on the ball and do what she does best, right? Get yeah. beat players, taking them on 1v1, getting in, uh, you know, the ball in behind and just smoking players out Anderson. on the pitch and sending oh, in for the, Anderson. <laughs> sending, yeah, no kidding, sending in these balls. But it was agony for me because I was like, please. Somebody make a far yeah. post run. It was it was tough at times. Yeah, I want to do I do before I get to Williams. Want to go back into the way that the United States started. I thought it was uh, Sweden got a little bit of control, but then it was through Trinity Rodman that the U.S. get a couple of corner kicks, and not just Trinity Rodman. It was also Emily Fox on the regain and the re try, the second wave of these corner kicks, gaining the ball back, keeping possession. Uh, Emily Fox is one of the best outside backs with a player on her back. She, she knows how to wiggle out of those situations. She can switch, swivel her hips and turn and, and keep the ball in a little spin turn. So I thought she did a really good job. And in the 53rd minute, it was Lindsay Horan who gets this cross into the box and she hits this ball so sweet. And this is, this was the moment Sandra that I thought, Oh no, because Musevich makes a brilliant diving save to stretch to her left to save this brilliant, beautifully world-class strike from Lindsay Horan to push it away from the far post and to not let it go in the back of the net. And Lindsay's hands go on her face right away because she knew that was the moment. And it did feel like maybe it's just me and what I feel like Lindsay Horan does for this team, but it felt like this was a game where Lindsay Horan could be the real key cog in changing this. And I thought, here it is. The ball comes across. I can see her lining up. I've seen Lindsay do that volley. I can't even tell you how many times, because I used to train with her when she was younger. She does this all the time and she hit it perfect. And still Musevich saves it. And that was I think Trinity Rodman did a really good job working the right side and wearing down the right side through the first half into the second half. So then when Lynn Williams came on, it was like, oh gosh, here we go again. Because everybody knows Lynn Williams and what she can bring um, 
how fast and speedy she is. And there was a real good connection between Williams Haran and Fox to try to get her in that space and beyond. I was really impressed with Lynn Williams. I think the, the thing that Lynn Williams brings that is the, the one thing she has been actively working at, but doesn't do it as often now with Gotham because she plays in a little different of a uh, spot on the field is her final product with her cross. Can she pick a player out? Because there were moments where the cross comes in and it's, it's not close to anybody and, and it goes over the heads or it goes into the wrong space. So if I had to criticize that would be the only thing because it was like clockwork. You knew Ling Williams was getting the ball. You knew there was going to be an opportunity inside the box. Yeah, that was a, it was, <laughs> I'm, I'm replaying this back in my head right now, but even just watching, um, Williams kind of get that last minute instruction on the sideline before coming into this match. Like you see smiles on the faces on the bench, like between her and Anowski and, and, and yeah. others. And it's just kind of like one of those moments where you're like, Oh, Lynn Williams is going to come in and absolutely mm-hmm. wreck some stuff up. And yeah. we, we, we saw that it was, it's, it's great to see that and then watch it come to life uh, on the pitch. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I would, it was curious though, if, her level of play um, and the fact that a player like that could just turn it on and in any moment when you ask of them, like, would there be another window in this second half specifically? Because these are the knockout rounds, we know that coaches and teams are preparing for the possibilities of extra time, the possibility of penalties. So I asked you, Jordan, earlier in the episode, about that chaos demon that kind of <laughs> creeps in sometimes. And we both shared how maybe we kind of felt like, oh no, this might turn into something we don't want it to turn into mm-hmm. for this team. What was the moment in this second half for you where you were just like, oh gosh, this is this is probably going to go to extra time, maybe even penalties? I actually had a few moments towards the end of regulation where I thought Sweden might win this yeah. in, in regulation because Sweden was doing a good job of um, – they started by bringing on Hertig. So that was in the 82nd minute. They bring in Hertig and Jakobsen. And I felt like when Jakobsen came on, because she knows these players so well, she plays with or against all of all of them except for Lindsay Horan in NWSL. So she knows how to get at a defender, and she gets a really good shot on goal. And I'm thinking, oh, this might end here with a goal for Sweden because it was so U.S. dominant that the one chance in the other direction, if Sweden won the first and second balls, which they started to do with the inclusion of those two players, that they were going to get a chance on goal. So I I thought that nothing came to fruition. Actually, the U.S. only gave up two shots on goal in the entire tournament, Sandra. One being that Jakobsen shot that actually went straight to Alyssa Nair and she handled it very well. Um, And one being in um, the game against the Netherlands. So how, how does a team with two shots that they defended two shots in the, find themselves out of the tournament? Like this is how gut wrenching this is because defensively this team was absolutely ridiculous. And even though the, that creeped up of like, is Sweden going to take this in regulation? I have a line solely in my notes, just to times that Gurma just mitigated pressure and that I have at least seven things written down, seven timestamps. Naomi Gurma is a star. Oh my goodness. She's absolutely a star. She mm. is going to captain this team come the next World Cup. She will be wearing the armband. She will be leading this team. She will be the one everybody leans on because she is calm, cool, and collected. I am obsessed with her, and I think that this is a really tough way to go out, but there are some really good players that we're going to have to dig into and say – um, there's there's some good future for this squad. So I'm I'm with you 100. You're gonna get zero blowback from me on that. This was 100 Naomi Gurma's tournament player to watch. I think we had mentioned on previous A3 episodes. Absolutely delivered. I don't know how many pieces Gurma pieces I've written for CBS Sports. Yeah, at this point we broke the, we broke the news of her deal as well with San Diego Wave. Phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. We're gonna talk more though about this game. So make sure you stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into Attacking Third World Cup Edition. We've got to talk about the hard parts of this game, Jordan. We've been chatting about our reactions to the starting lineup, the adjustments, the the, the different players that we saw come into this game, the new formation. We talked about that first half, the second half. We got to chat a little bit about this extra time and how it came down to penalty kicks. We saw more players get subbed into the game, and that mostly, for me, Jordan, solidified things. It's It's playing the long game at a certain point in a knockout round. And I think when you start to see uh, Megan Rapino get called into a game and have Alex Morgan come out in an effort to push uh, Sophia Smith a little bit more centrally, which opened up some more things and then yeah. some, some good looks, but still that goal didn't come. And then we got to see some very late substitutions uh, for Kelly O'Hara and Christy Mewis into this game as well, bringing out uh, Emily Fox and Emily Sonnet. Two Emilys having yeah. massive, massive game. But in, in terms of your your overall thoughts on on the two periods of extra time, um, still kind of felt like maybe that game winner could have came for either side. Yeah. It it did feel that way. I think maybe more for the U.S. because we root for the U.S. and we felt like those chances were closer. I, I did know when the, that formation or that shift in tactics came where Sophia Smith goes centrally, Megan Rapino comes out in the 101st minute Smith did this. She drops into midfield and picks up the ball and gets on the run. Like we see her do so many times as she turns and faces the back line centrally, she does that all the time for the Portland Thorns. And then she ends up finding Lynn Williams. Those types of things I think just weren't happening with Alex Morgan on the field, which isn't saying that what Alex Morgan did was wrong. Cause I do think there were a couple of things that she did that were a lot different than what we had seen of her in these first few games. But I think it gives you a look at what Smith can do that's just different. And it was different for Sweden to try to defend it. It ends up being kind of a scrum, not not a huge chance on goal. But it was better than the, the other chances that were created. I felt like in those those extra times, it's such a, it's such a hard moment to play in. I've been there at a youth world cup where you don't want to put a foot wrong. Cause you know, if you go in too hard for a tackle and a player cuts you and, and you get out of the play, everyone is, you know, as a domino effect down the field. And so you could see players playing with a little bit more caution in how they were defending. I think Lindsay Horan was a little bit more cautious thinking I can't get another yellow card because if I do, I would miss the next game. It's things like that, that I think, just affected the game where there weren't as many good chances or it didn't feel like it just felt like it was going to go to penalty kicks. Like once we went to overtime, we started playing that extra, that extra time just had a feeling that there wasn't going to be a game winner in this, in those moments. Yeah. It it gets to a certain, a certain phase of the game hits and then you kind of take a look at the bench, you look at the body language a little bit, and you know that maybe the idea is to play yeah. uh, play, play for that that long game, and that long game being see what happens in extra time and then ultimately uh, penalty kicks. But I love the the, the couple of, of opportunities there that you're uh, mentioning because it gives us an opportunity to – to still kind of highlight, uh, you know, Musovic for, for, for Sweden, just, just a lights out type of game. Yeah. This player making, coming up for the type of saves and having the type of positioning that she had that really kind of, um, you know, kind of rallies your team around that. It motivates them to, to keep going and, and do well as you keep coming up with these big moments for your team uh, yeah. in, in front of goals. So got to ask, because I, I think everybody had, had made those, asked themselves of the substitutions as well. Prendinovsky, O'Hara and Mewis into the game to get a couple touches. Maybe you assume at this point, these are going to be at least one and or two of your penalty kick takers. Yeah. I think that was the assumption. My, one of my best friends growing up actually lives in Melbourne. She, she um, lives there with her family. She went to the game and she got herself a good ticket. She sent me a video of everybody warming up. Like the subs are getting ready. And I, I look at the subs and it's defender, 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 
and Christian Hewis, a midfielder. And I'm like, we need an attacker. You know, we need someone to go and score these goals. So it, it wasn't a shocker to me at that point that then we were going to see some of these changes because two of those players were Kelly O'Hara and Christine Mewis right in front of her. I, I clearly, now that we've seen the penalties, understand why those substitutions were made. I thought even just to have Kelly O'Hara out there because she's been in those moments before, just to calm – I didn't know at that point, would she be taking one or would she be a one later down the line that if it got to X, Y, Z, eight, nine, 10, she would maybe take a penalty, but just her presence is I think comforting to this team, but she ends up stepping up to take one. Uh, I, I don't know. Are we getting, pen- are we going to get to the penalties right now? Or are we doing that in a second? You know what? Let's just do it right now because we're talking about those two subs that came in to go ahead and, you know, make the, the final window, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone was excited about the possibility. They barely got in, too. Yeah, and, and excited about the possibility, like even going into extra time, saying, "Great, they've got that extra sub. Like it's gonna be all right. Yeah. Like there's there's depth here, right?" But it doesn't. It doesn't. I play just out. don't know who else you would bring in. I don't think yeah. the game was fitting for Alyssa Thompson, unfortunately, and, and that was your right. other attacker that you could bring in. It just didn't feel like it would have been the right moment to put such a young player in in that type of tense environment. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I think, I think the, the idea of trying to maybe bring in a, a player to go ahead and, and change some things. I, I thought maybe DeMello, what might've been one of those players to, to come in and, mm-hmm. and maybe bring in an extra time. But when you've got two and you're that, you're letting them still figure things out on the pitch, you get to a certain point where you're like, I'm bringing on my actual yeah. Penalty kick takers, and and that's what kind of came to to life here. And look, uh, I'll say as soon as I saw them come on the pitch, I was like, oh yeah, those are going to be the two players who uh, who make uh, who make their penalties. But we're going to get to talk about that now. So we get zero uh, zero scoreless all the way through. It's exactly how they wrote it up, right? USA versus Sweden meeting for the first time in a World Cup knockout round. Of course, this is how it has to come down. I look. I think when they closed out the group in second place, that was my immediate reaction. I said, penalties against Sweden, yeah. here we come. Yeah. Sometimes you just hate being right, Jordan. I hate being right. I said 0-0 zero, zero penalties in the U.S. weren't going to win on Friday's Box to Box show. And I'm like, I don't want to be – this is not something I want to be right about. I wanted it to be everybody being like – Jordan, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, but look, that it, it, it breaks down the way it breaks down. Um, Alyssa Nair, I think I'd like to maybe have us close out this segment with yes, speaking about, about her. her. Yeah. Um, there were veterans who missed their penalty kicks. It's not like they were saved. They were completely missed. Um, and Alyssa Nair is someone who had put this position to go ahead and succeed. Jordan, very quickly – your thoughts on Alyssa Nair's performance tonight? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say the U.S. had only missed one of its first 26 penalties to hit on target until today. Now, then they missed three and three and one. They'd only missed the target once in 26. Now they missed three in one penalty shootout. Crazy. Um, oh. Alyssa Nair is a queen. She's so good. I I knew she was going to get a save. I didn't think she was going to get two. And that last one. If you go back and watch that last penalty, when she saved it, she is one way. She flips her body the opposite way to get her paw on it, to try to save it from going in. Um, she's incredible. She, to step up with the the fire in her eyes for the penalty too, and to say, I, I'm going to take the sixth penalty and finish this for my team. It was brilliant. I, I just can't say enough good things. I thought she played an excellent game, was brave off her line came out and dealt with crosses, dealt with corner kicks really well. All in all, that's the Alyssa Nair that we know. And she seems to come up in these types of games massively. And I'm just so happy that she got to be massive in that moment. And it it also pains me that she, her being massive wasn't enough to, to get the win for them. An absolutely iconic performance. We're going to talk some more about it right after a quick break. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner 
from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We are breaking down the penalty kicks between the United States and Sweden and recapping the elimination of the United States from the 2023 World Cup. Jordan just dropping absolute bars on the listener. If you're just joining us, you're at the end stage of our episode, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop praising a listener because it absolutely was an iconic performance from this goalkeeper to really kind of close out and put a capper on this United States women's national team performance in the 2023 World Cup. A lot of discourse, I'll just say, uh, around the goalkeeping position coming into this tournament, uh-huh. Jordan. I mean, we had to talk a lot about and cover this team in the buildup to this tournament, um, the, the formation of that final roster, and a lot of uh, question marks of people questioning Alyssa Nair's form going into this World Cup. Um, and I kind of feel like there were moments at times where maybe we were just kind of like, look, she's the number one. That's just what it's going to be. Sometimes club and country are different beasts. And I think there was no better example than that than what we witnessed today. Uh, I don't know if you run it back, right, and you look at a penalty kick or if you you go tell your friends about this game that you just said or just watch and you say, can you believe that the number one goalkeeper for the United States came up with not just one but two saves and they got eliminated? Uh I don't know if you actually go ahead and, uh, and, and the other person actually believed you, but this final decisive penalty kick by Lena Hertig. We're talking mere millimeters. Nair almost coming up with a double save. Left with the ball in her literal hands as the officials take a look at the measurements, VAR, goal line technology, etc. And then they get enough there to review it. And it is Sweden who moves on after the scoreless draw, advancing on penalties 5-4. to four the United States, Megan Rapilo, uh, Sophia Smith, and Kelly O'Hara, unfortunately, falling short on uh, their penalty kick conversions. Got to also give a shout out to Christy Mewis, too, though. Talk about getting a touch. Oh, my goodness. In the World Cup, and it's a penalty kick conversion. It was such a good penalty kick, too, with her left foot. You know, I was thinking she was going across her body like the goalkeeper was, too. And no, she just opens up her hip last minute and plays it into the the side netting with her left foot. I love that he brought her on too, specifically for that. She's a lefty. It's different to uh, just to mix it up a little bit, to give Musevich something to deal with, with the variety of different shots that, that she was going to have to face. And I think that goes into it too. If you look how the United States shot their penalties, even Alyssa Nair going straight down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, Nair, maybe not in your first five, but you know that she's coming, you know what she can do on a penalty and she comes up. But I, I thought that was great from Christy Mewis, uh, someone that I still think could have had a part to play in this game. But but when she she knew her role and it, one of the hardest things is to accept your role and to also flourish when you are called upon and she flourished. It was really cool to see her get to have that moment. Yeah, likewise. I, I think that's probably the most appropriate way for us to kind of close out uh, this final segment is to really kind of talk about the actual star of that penalty kick shootout for the United States. And you hope that maybe it's the um, the final player who can convert. But in this case, it's 100 uh, percent a listener. Mm-hmm. They make their exit, Jordan. It's you know, the headlines are already going to be out there, right? Worst yeah. finish, but you know, earliest exit ever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's your take on it? What's your spin on it? Where does this team move forward and, or how do they move forward from here? Yeah, I think moving forward is what they have to do. I think, unfortunately for this team, it has been a little stagnant over the last couple of years. And we've asked for some, you know, 
it's our job as media to say what we think and to say we don't feel like there's enough adaptation. There's not enough um, game plan when it comes to being able to switch things in the run of play. And what happens? We see it and we see a really good performance from the U.S. So uh, building in as they move forward a little bit more um I think accountability, players being accountable, but also adaptability, being able to sh- be presented. Maybe these are our best 23 players and they don't fit this one system. Okay, let's let's adapt. Let's adapt our formation, some of our tactics, depending on who our opponent is. I think the moments we saw that from the U.S., they did really well. The second half versus Netherlands, I thought they a- adapted some things and looked really good. This game, they looked so good. The, the hard thing is going to be is we're going to say goodbye to a good amount of players. Yep. And when I think about this team going forward, I'm thinking about who's coming through the ranks. What has the U.S. been building over the last few years? And that hasn't been great when you look at the results from the World Cups. The, these Youth World Cups, the United States has not done a very good job. So can we continue or move forward in that way, too, to start to really develop these young players, whether it's through these youth national teams or even NWSL, make sure we're focusing on putting players in the proper positions to be successful. Um, Cause there's going to be a lot of growing and hopefully, you know, potentially there could be a world cup here in 2026, seven. Yeah. Right. We're, we're going to, that's what we're going to keep our eye on next, right? Where's yeah. that world, that next world cup going to be played, but uh, I'm with you. I, I, I echo all your similar sentiments from play in NWSL or bringing up players as well. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it. We're seeing the teenagers yeah. kind of take over uh, and NWSL and looks you're right. We're not going to see some of these players in the next World Cup. Uh, Megan Rapino has already uh, had announced her retirement uh, from the World Cup and from play after the conclusion of her uh, club season in NWSL. O'Hara hasn't made those statements, nor has Alex Morgan, but I don't think it's unfair to say that they probably should not be on this roster if they try to have another go at it. Um, I think the talent that was on this team, the talent that was not utilized on the bench are the future of this team. And that is where the attention and direction and focus needs to go. And if anything, it's a painful moment. Of course it is. You and I speaking off mic and how we were nervous about getting on here and showing some emotion Uh around it as well. But this is the origin story. This is where it is. This is actually where it begins for Sophia Smith, for Trinity Rodman, for Naomi Gilman moving forward. And I can't wait to see what comes next. But for now, that's a wrap from us on Attacking Third for Sandra Rita and Jordan Angeli. Thank you all so much for joining us.